going deep. I feel like Kalo on the Miami Heat. The words I speak off this sheet are like a three-peat. I don't just hop on a track. I bring running cleats. I'm a player for real, more than an athlete. Let my mama tell it. Could have ran for the Senate. Instead, I penned it for Donovan Bennett. I'm cemented. This a deep dive. In your headphones or a long drive. Up close and personal, just like you courtside. They ain't no out of bounds here. No offsides. We going live in one, two, three, four, five. You are now tuned in to Going Deep with Donovan Bennett. Yes, thank you, Capital. Another edition of the Going Deep podcast. And on so many of these podcasts, we've talked about not just sport, sporting culture, but its influence from pop culture in ways like music, art, and especially fashion. Something that I really care about, try to take pride in personally. And I've been the benefit of seeing how it's infused its way into sport in a big way. We've had previous episodes where we talked to Mark Giordano and Delano Banton about the fashion that they have personally, but also how it impacted the landscape of the NHL and NBA respectively. And we're going to have a similar conversation today about a sport that is infused in fashion in a way that you might not expect. And that's golf. And certainly listen, golf clothing is by definition somewhat fashionable. People just wear golf clothing in their everyday lives to work, to the mall, to the golf course, not to golf, but just to dine and enjoy themselves. But that fashion has always been pretty stuffy, pretty old school, pretty buttoned up, and quite frankly, not always that fun. But that is changing. And we've seen it in a new series that's come out by ABC News Studios Grails, When Sneakers Change the Game. It's a six-part docuseries, and you're saying to yourself, well, what do sneakers have to do with golf? It follows the story of a lifestyle brand called Eastside Golf that has entered into the world of sports fashion and sneaker culture in a big way. You may have seen the logo and heard a little bit about it. Well, we're going to do a deep dive in the two men behind it and how their experience within the game of golf is behind how they became entrepreneurs to try and change the game of golf. Earl Cooper and Elijah Wanajanaku are the founders of Eastside Golf, but they're also Morehouse Golf champions, and they create a really sought-after, high-level, world-class shoes and transfer them into golf shoes. And the entire sneaker culture world went mad for them. And it turned into a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to partner with Nike and the Jordan brand. And thus, they've had a huge following from people like the CEO of FUBU, Damon John, Fat Joe, the Don, one of the greatest rappers of all time, Chris Paul, all-star point guard for the Phoenix Suns, Sean Costner, founder of StockX, co-founder of Fanatics and Collectibles, Josh Luber, But it was not until ESPN's own Hannah Storm heard of the story that it went to the next level and is now a greater story. It's directed and produced by ESPN's Hannah Storm. You can check out Grails on Hulu. But I want to go even deeper than this series and talk to them about the series of decisions they made to take the roadblocks that they found within the game of golf and turn that into not just profit, but maybe promise in changing the face of golf moving forward. Let's listen to and learn from Earl Cooper and Elijah Wanajanaku on the future of golf based off the style that's on your feet. Let's go deep. All right, this is like the new chapter. Look at this. Wow. This is fire. It's more like an art piece than it is something to wear out on the course. They're not just sneakers. These sneakers tell stories. If Jordan says, let's collab, that means you're chosen. I'm the king of the- we are literally spreading the gospel of God. Who are these guys that have this like black golfer on the tongue of a fork? The logo is me. And this is our story. Get in the hole. <laughs> Guys, I'm really looking forward to consuming this content. But before we talk about it, I want to talk about you. How did you first get into the sport and find golf or golf find you? 
Uh, actually, I grew up playing. Uh, well, I got introduced to the game from a friend of the family, and I ended up growing up playing basketball and golf with his sons. And uh, from there, it was it was more. He just took us out to the golf course, introducing us to something new, and I fell in love with the game out there. It was it. Was, I mean, it was the most challenging thing I've ever done, and I don't know why. I just I just really fell in love with it. It was it was. It was challenging to my mind, you know, physically. And on top of that, I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot uh, from, I would say, uh, mentors that were out on the course. So I just took the – I mean, I really just loved the game early on. And for me, um, it was my dad. He just signed me up. He saw a flyer, and he signed me and my sister up. At the time, the program was called the LPGA Urban Youth Golf Program. Um, and it was just something to do, and I didn't really enjoy it too much um, until I ended up winning the Golf Channel Drive Chip and Putt. So at that time, I won all we went all the way to nationals and finished second. It was a free trip to Disney World and was on TV. I'm like, damn, every golf tournament like this, I'm ready to practice. So that's kind of how how I fell in love with the game. What exactly did you learn about yourself through your early interactions with the sport of golf? I learned this is a large one. I learned the analogies from golf can be uh, represented across life. You know, I mean, just hitting a golf ball, I mean, has so many analogies in that have helped me throughout my life, like patience, um, honesty, integrity, um, and just more morals and values that. I learned about myself, like hard work being another one. Like I said, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. So when I when I felt like I, you know, when I turned pro in golf, I actually felt like I could do anything, you know. So golf gave me that confidence because not everybody can, you know, play golf or play golf at a, at a high level. But golf gave me that confidence to, you know, really work hard and to – know that every single time you step out on a golf course, it's going to be different. You know, it's all about, it's like that in life. Every day is going to be different. It's all about how you go about it. It's all about the choices you make and it's all about the shots you hit. So just any and everything about golf has, uh, has truly shaped the way that I look at my life. Yeah. Um, I say for me, I think golf is one of those sports where, as, a, as, a, as they say, it's a game you can never own, only borrow. And I also realized that it's one of those things where you can only blame yourself. So I love that the fact that it's just kind of a single man's game, but you can play it with other people. Um, and I think just the relationships that I've been able to build on the golf course and the experiences that I've had, I know that I would have never been able to, to do that if it wasn't for golf. Because Outside of golf, you might not have nothing else in common, right? Whether it be a 70-year-old white man or whether it be, you know, a 40-year-old, you know, woman or whatever it may be. The age, gender doesn't really matter. It's just one of those things where golf can often be that connectivity of, you know, just to unlock a whole nother world. Well, unfortunately, business isn't as much of a meritocracy. When you applied your passion for the sport into the business of Eastside Golf, what hurdles did you come up against? Oh, uh, well, of course, financial, you know. Um, <laughs> I had to, honestly, the, I mean, I funded the company up until, I would say, uh, November, January 2020. And I started, well, really more for like the first year, I, uh, I funded the company myself. And that's always the hardest part for any uh, diverse uh, entrepreneur is just getting that finances right. And then, you know, on top of that too, people were questioning the logo, you know, you know, what is that around his neck? Is that a, honestly, I got some crazy, it's crazy. Is that a noose around his neck or what is that? You know? And it's always just been challenging because nobody has ever seen this type of logo. Like, being so honest and being so different in a game that has nothing that looks like our logo in it at all. I think that's what has been the biggest challenge, but it's opened so many people's 
so many people's eyes to now that golf doesn't have to look a certain type of way. It can look however you bring it to the course, you know, because if I wear a polo or wear a T-shirt, I can still go out there and shoot 68, you know. So what is it that – how are we going to get more people to the game and what, is, what are the solutions? And that, that has just been the biggest challenge for us, just getting more people or more of the golf industry on board to where they understand what we're trying to do with the sport and where we're trying to go. Yeah. And to this point, I think that has been a difficult challenge to to get people to understand that we're trying to do something different, right? And it, oftentimes, and I get it, people, you want to, you know, it's natural to kind of rely on your comfort zone. It's natural to kind of go with what you've seen before. But we're trying to do, we're trying to actually change something. So you got to do something that you've never seen before. You got to go a different path. You know, you got to be a maverick. You got to trailblaze. So, um that isn't that isn't always easy because it takes someone with a vision and confidence to to do a lot of the things that we do and basically not even settle. And I mean, we've seen that with partners. You know, every day we're talking different brands, we're talking different people, and it's like, nah, that's not it. You don't want to just do what you've seen before. How do you know? And that's a great thing that oh always pushes us and the team. Like, you know, how do we stay original? How do we do it different? It's certainly easy to get partners on board when you've got Jumpman on board. Take me through that process of partnering with an iconic brand in person when you guys did a deal with Jordan. I mean, yeah, such a dope experience. It's a lot of such a such a dope experience because I mean, I, my first pair of J's was in ninth grade, you know, and you know, growing up, that's all I ever wanted was some Nike and some Jordan. You know, but now to be designing clothes for them and designing shoes that can tell a story and that can motivate people, but also something that's fly. And even if you don't know the story, you're like, hey, those, those some fly shoes. Like, maybe I should, is that a golf logo? Black man playing golf? Maybe I should try this. Like, I mean, those are all the things that I was so excited about that I had the, that I had the opportunity to to really change somebody's perspective on a sport that they had no idea about. You know, with Jordan Brand, and this being the first time Jordan Brand collabing on a golf shoe, I mean, they truly saw something in us that validated them in the sport. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm humbled by it all at the same time because there's just a lot of legends that have come before us. Like, I mean, you got Virgil Abloh. I mean, you got... Um, I mean, so many other guys that just have had a swing at the Jordan brand or Nike brand in general, and I, I didn't it, – it, it feels so good because I don't feel like we wasted the opportunity, you know, and that was, one of the, that was one of the things I was most scared about. Like, I wanted to put everything I had into it and not waste this opportunity, and, and now we're here. I feel like we did it right, and Jordan brand is, is on board with us all the way. Like, it, it's – I mean, it's, it's humbling, for real. Yeah. And I would also add the fact that, you know, Jordan Brand taking a chance on us. You know, we were a very small brand, um, you know, and we went from basically one shoe, kind of friends and family, to a global release. You know, we got shoes in Dubai. We got shoes in, you know, uh, all over. We got them in Japan. And so to see the shoes kind of so quickly grow, I think it also should just be an example of, like, great things can come from a small brand. Um, and so we extremely grateful for Jordan brand, and they, you know, they see the vision. But they're not the only people who saw the vision. When Hannah Storm, respected journalist, says, I want to document this, what was your response, and how did it come to fruition? Yeah, I mean, so for us, um, one of the other executive producers, Sean Pekos, who was working with Hannah and Steve, um, we met Pekos through CAA, and he had been, you know, building a lot of relationships for us, and he mentioned it to her, and then when we all got on the phone, they were like, yo, we love these guys, you know, let's figure out a way to do it on these guys, so it's been an unbelievable opportunity, you know, to kind of document our story and to see this all come to life. It's, it's an unbelievable experience. I also feel like 
it's going to benefit the brand so much because we get a chance to tell our story on the front end, you know, where a lot of times, you know, it happens on the back end. So working with Hannah and the team, it's just been, it's been, it's been great. And, you know, we hope that this isn't all, you know, this isn't our last stop. You know, we look at them like the Jordan brand. Let's, let's do five docu-series, you know, so we have five shoes. The title is Grails When Sneakers Change the Game. Certainly sneakers can change the look and feel of the game, but in what ways can that change be profound? It could be, honestly, it could be very profound because um, when people see a Jordan shoe, well, honestly, like I said at the beginning, it's, it's always been about representation. But first you have representation, and then you take something to where the younger generation takes pride in it, like, they usually stand outside for those shoes, you know, but as far as like having the logo now that shows representation on a shoe that, you know, honestly, the younger generation takes pride in, now we're talking about change. Now we're talking about even the lifestyle shoes that we came out with. I mean, they're basketball shoes. This is going to be the first time you'll see a quote unquote golf shoe in a, in an NBA game, you know, like that's making waves. That's bringing the uh, the conversation of golf into spaces that it's never been, you know? And then, I mean, once that starts happening, then you get even more advocates for your company. I mean, well, like we have more advocates for Eastside Golf, you know? I mean, we have, it's, it's different when we can tell you what the problems are and we see them, but then you also have, I mean, some of our supporters like, I mean, Steph Curry, you know, Pete Diddy, you know, have for them to actually say what the problems are. It reaches a lot further, and on top of that, you know, um, changes usually happen. Changes usually happen. So just with our logo itself, I feel like it can bring change because it just it's showing people what they can be. You mentioned Steph Curry. He's taken his Curry brand from basketball to golf and has funded some historically black colleges. Nike has got in the golf game with Nocta and Drake. Obviously, there are the things that you guys are doing. Is there much more room to grow, more market space when it comes to making golf cool? Certainly, I do. I think golf historically, I mean, you just look at the numbers, right? Um, I always like to tell this stat. So before COVID, you know, there were, or during the beginning of COVID, Callaway froze everything. They were doing layoffs. They didn't know what was going to happen. And then that was in March. And then by August, they acquired uh, Topgolf for $2 billion. So I think, again, it just shows the growth of the game and the opportunity in the game. And so the other thing, too, is we're a golf brand rooted in golf, but we sell to everyone. You know, this is, you don't have to play golf in order to wear these clothing. I always like to use the, the saying that you never, you probably never played polo, but you wear polo shirts. So, you know, that's how we look at our brand. We don't want to be boxed in. We don't want it to be a thing where like, oh, I can only wear Eastside golf if I play golf. No, it's great clothing. It's quality clothing. There's a message to it. Um, there's two great guys behind the brand. And that to us is more important than just, necessarily like playing golf in the docuseries you get to see that you got support not just for the brand but for the message behind it by many people people like damon john founder of fubu now a shark tank investor dj khaled a tastemaker athletes like chris paul and cc sabathia what is that support and really foundational partnership like for the brand, but really, what does it mean to you personally? I mean, it means honestly, it means a lot to the brand because of the stance that we take about where golf is, you know, politically, you know, the, the, the truth that we tell, you know, all the facts that we try to come out with and, and try to show that there is change that needs to happen. I mean, it is, that's what keeps them coming back to the brand. They know we stand for something. And on top of that, that's what, you know, like the NBA and the MLB, we have licensing deals with both. That's what they see. You know, they see us, you know, being honest, but also bringing that honesty to other sports. So whatever diversity plan that they're 
going through with an NBA, MLB, or NFL, we're, I mean, we're, we're right there with it. But, you know, all of that needs to transfer over to golf as well. You know, so that's where if we can show where it's, it's growing outside of golf and then we're making, you know, headways outside of it, I feel like it'll only transfer back to the actual sport. And I think also the support we've gotten, because I think people have acknowledged the fact of how difficult it is what we're doing. This isn't easy. Many have tried, and many will continue to try, and we will support them as they try. But, you know, this takes a lot of hard work, and I think I feel like success recognizes success. And although we're an early small brand, you know, we're, we're definitely strong in vision and strong in passion and to have kind of, you know, I just think they see that. They recognize that. They're like, man, I've, I've seen talented people. We want to get behind them and, and support them and give them all the tools and resources. And why not use my platform? You know, Khaled all the time, shout out to Eastside Golf. Like, we've never paid Khaled a dime. But he, you know, wants to share with his 20-some million followers on Instagram because he believes in the brand. And so I think that's really what it's all about. Like, it's not transactional. It's the right thing to do. Like, let's support these guys. They're really trying to change the game and make it better for everybody. And so when you see people doing things like that, it, it makes it easy to get behind. I'm curious, how do you believe you really make the game inclusive and diverse? Because I've seen scenes, I know you two have seen them with young white males at the golf course wearing Air Max golf cleats or Jordan golf cleats playing hip hop from their golf cart, but not bring anyone to the golf course with them. That is diverse. And so the golf course, the golf clubhouse doesn't actually reflect the communities that we have in North America. How do we change that? First of all, we got to understand that it ain't going to happen overnight. And it's going to take time, and we're in it for the long haul. So there's no magic pill, and there's probably no amount of money. It's going to take a little bit of everything. But one of the things that we're really working on is a mindset where you got to shift the mindset. And you also got to recognize the fact that, you know, we just were allowed to play this game as minorities. Like, we got a little bit of way to catch up, you know, as they say. Yeah, you know, they, those older white men have had hundreds of years of head start. So it's going to take a little bit of time, but, you know, we're here for the long haul. And so when we start thinking about the change, we know that it's not going to happen overnight. We know that we don't have all the answers, but we do know what has been going on hasn't worked. And so as long as we continue to go about it a different way and continue to gain traction like we have, we believe that the game will change. But, you know, we do have to be – um, intentional, and we do have to play the long game and not just think, oh, because we put a logo on a sweater that everything is okay now. And I will say, you know, one thing about Elijah Wan, you know, even in our meetings, these challenging companies, you know, um, even, you know, for myself and talking to other young black PGA professionals, other PGA professionals in general, you know, figuring out ways that, you know, they can support other people. So, you know, we're in the community. We're doing the groundwork as well. At the same time, using this platform like today to also spread the message. I think the vast majority of people, if they continued to get the same roadblocks and hear those no's, would say, well, forget you. I'm going to take my talent and ingenuity, and instead of helping you change your sport and doing you a favor, I'm going to channel that energy somewhere else where it's more appreciated. Why did you guys continue? Honestly, I heard the no's, and I mean, it said it was a thousand of them, it felt like. And I kept going because, I mean, my objective was to play pro golf. It was never to be CEO of a, a clothing and apparel brand. You know, it was never to be creative director. It was always just to play golf, you know. And so I would do anything for my dream. So I didn't really hear any no's. I didn't hear all of the... Um, all the negativity, what they thought about the logo, or I've never seen a logo like that in golf. I don't think it'll work. You know, I didn't, I didn't hear any of that because honestly, I didn't hear any other solutions on getting to where I wanted to go. You know, I, I mean, in my life, I've done everything everybody has asked me to do. 
accept things for myself, you know? So I felt like this was an opportunity to where I felt like this was an opportunity to go after my dreams. And I didn't want to turn, you know, 50, 60 years old and be, damn, I should have, I should have tried this and be living with regrets. I mean, whatever that dream is, I mean, go after it and do whatever it is necessary to, to get it. And then, and then, and then lastly, the plan made sense. Like, no matter how many times I heard no, like, I was still like, yo, I got something. I still don't know what it is, but and everybody keeps telling me no, but I got something and I just truly believe, you know? So, I mean, that's, yeah. When people see the series and get a better understanding for this chapter in your story, what would you hope viewers took and applied from your journey to their own? I want them to learn that golf is a sport that you can use in your life to further yourself in whatever you do. Like, it's truly a sport that will broaden your circle, that will challenge you in ways that you've never been challenged before. And on top of that, learning about yourself. I mean, those are all the things that that you'll learn from golf that will that will take you further in life in general. I mean, you just take all of those things you learn in golf and you turn it, like I said, into an analogy, into something that life is, you know, thrown at you. And you have to just keep going, taking a stride, taking a shot at a time, and and you'll be fine. But yeah, I mean, that's I really feel like golf is has taken this far. In that way. Um, yeah, I think for for me, I would hope that people can take away that this game is a game for everyone, and it doesn't matter how you look, doesn't matter your background, um, that you too can play golf. And I think also, you know, from a personal perspective, you know, I have a saying I've been saying called "Dream big, because dreams do come true." And I hope that people see that that you know, oh, if oh never gave up on his dream. And, you know, for me, it's been an opportunity to, to, to work really hard on a, on, a, on a brand and grow something that has just opened up so many doors for myself. And it's just one of those things like never selling yourself short. It's okay to go the long route. Um, so again, people look at it, you know, like an overnight success thing. But, you know, we've been playing golf and been around the game of golf for a very, very long time and, you know, love the game. Even though sometimes the game, it feels like the game didn't love you back. Um, you know, it hasn't been a, a rosy road. You know, I came out of college with a degree, making twenty-four thousand dollars a year, working six days a week, forty-plus hours. You know, and so, but again, that laid the groundwork for where we are today, and that's why we can speak so confidently because there was no shortcuts. There's so many things I love about your story that you personally got it out the mud and got what you deserved, but then you kept that ethos and how you built and designed the shoes that signified in your struggle, but also they look like art. So looking forward to continuing to watch where you take the space next, and hopefully I'm around to document the next chapter in your story. Thank you for continuing to lift us uh, as you climb. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you to Earl and Elijah Juan. And again, be sure to check out Grails. When sneakers change the game, very fun watch. And as you just heard from those two brothers, really, really introspective and thoughtful in the way they built their business and the way they are trying to change the sport for good. I wish I had a nice golf game because I want an excuse to wear the clothes because they are nice. It would be nice if you stick around. More going deep coming up. My name is Lucille Bryan. I'm Clifton Bryan. My grandson has a show. And I'm so happy that you are listening to Going Deep with Donovan Bennett. I'm so glad that he had a show. Thank you. Thank you, Grandma and Granddad. And in this episode, we're talking about inclusion in sport where... Traditionally, you haven't seen people of color, really many diverse candidates, quite frankly, at all. First block of the show, that was golf. But the same is true for figure skating, specifically in North America. Our next guest is Elijah Baldy, professional figure skater who is 
known worldwide for his social work and his social handle as he has a massive following on Instagram, but he's trying to build his following in the sport of figure skating, a sport that he didn't see himself in. And so he's getting help with that. He's the face of the Canada Goose Live in the Open campaign. And with that visibility and his ambassadorship, he's trying to change where we figure skate, how we talk about figure skating, what we wear when we figure skate, and most importantly, who figure skates. Let's listen and learn to Laj Baldi on inclusion and figure skating. I'm going deep. Laj, thank you for taking the time uh, from following you both on and off the ice and on social. I know you're super busy. Given that you've got so much going on, why was the collab with Canada Goose something that was important to you and how did it come about? Yeah, well, thank you for having me first. Um, it's an honor to be here and to, and to connect with you. Um, yeah, the the collaboration with Canada Goose, I mean, skating and, and spending time reconnecting with nature these past couple of years um, has been something really important to me and has helped me kind of shift my relationship with obviously skating out in the mountains. Um, sometimes it could get pretty cold. And so for me, wearing, um, you know, outwear gear that, um, is not only functional, not only will keep me warm, um, but it's top quality and also that it's fashionable is something that for me is, is really important because as a skater, I'm going to kind of shift um, the way that people perceive skating and style is, is one of them. So I want to wear, I want to wear products that, um, that can move and um, that can, you know, last me many years, uh, many, many seasons. So that's kind of one of the points that, um, that I feel really connected uh, with the brand. And I've been a fan um, for a long time of, of Canada Goose. Like when I was a, uh, a teenager, I remember everyone uh, in Montreal was wearing Canada Goose jackets. And I always kept looking at them and being like, oh, my God, one day, like, I'm going to have my own Canada Goose jacket. <laughs> it was kind of the, the, the trend and the vibe at the time. So um, that's something that I, I, I've always been, um, yeah, I've always, I've always vibed with. And, um, and yeah, so this, uh, this collaboration, there's many elements that kind of come together that uh, make this, uh, this partnership pretty, uh, pretty special. I love that. That's a sign that you made it. You've, you're now stamped and official. Now that you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We, we use this term influencers and people just throw it around, but you truly are one, not just off the views, but when we see your videos, you know, I'm stopping and looking at the thumbnail, trying to figure out one, what is he wearing? And two, where is he? Like these beautiful yeah. you know, scenes and mountains and obviously, you know, lakes. Uh, what's that like for you to be really a trendsetter of not just the, the clothes that you're wearing and how they don't necessarily fit and what people think of when they think of figure skating, but introducing many people to these beautiful locales in our country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's been one of the most um, uh, fulfilling part of this whole journey for me. Um, you know, as figure skaters and as athletes, you know, we train in, in indoor rinks every day. Um, and we go, we spend like, I don't know, five, six hours at the rink. And the last thing that we want to do after that is to go outside and skate again. <laughs> and so career, I spent it indoors. I, I want to I say most, but literally my entire career, I spent it indoors until a friend of mine I, made this, this kind of this little video talking about skating in the mountains. And I got really interested um, in that because of my connection to nature and because of what I, 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 I feel when I'm, when I'm just even walking or being around nature. Um, and so the idea of doing what I love and doing that in nature is something that I was really, really compelled to, to, to wanting to do. And so one day a friend of mine was like, yo, let's go out to, let's go out to the mountains tomorrow. And, and from that moment on, it changed everything for me. And I, I, I wanted to share that with everyone, not only figure skaters, but the whole world, I think, because skating is such a Canadian thing to do. And obviously we have a lot of rinks outdoors and a lot of people go out and skate outdoors, which I think is really important and really beautiful. But the idea of going out um, in the mountains on a frozen lake is something that's uh, a, 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 an experience that is unique to itself. And I think doing that 
kind of brought this wave of people. Now I see videos on social media from all over the world, people going out um, on lakes, skating, skating outdoors. And I think that kind of reception uh, to this, this type of skating also brought me to uh, skating in a, in a global campaign with, uh, with, with Canada Goose, the global live in the own holiday campaign, which is the first time that I've ever started in a campaign and or in the Canada Goose campaign, which is an incredible experience. But I think that everything that I that I did skating in the outdoors kind of brought attention to that. And I think Canada Goose were really open to kind of connect their ethos of living in the open and and my mission of wanting to share the love of skating outdoors and skating in, in the mountains. How'd you get your start in figure skating? Oh, that was a rough one. <laughs> um, I, I, I tell the story a lot just because I um, people don't really uh, are always surprised about it. But I, I, I didn't like skating when I started. Like the first few moments I stepped on, on the ice, I remember it being playful. It was fun. My mom was a figure skater back in Russia. And so she introduced me when I was around six years old. And, and the first times we went outdoors and in the community skating, like I, I enjoyed it. Um, but right away I felt very comfortable on the ice and, and there was this ability to skate um, that my mom saw. And so she right away put um, like private, uh, private coaching with, with a Russian, Russian teacher. And it became very serious right away. Um, growing up with the Russian culture, um, you know, figure skating is a sport that um, can take you out of poverty. People skate in Russia in order to be the best in the world. And, and the kind of mentality is if you're not doing it to be the best in the world, then you're kind of wasting your time. So right away, it got serious very quickly. And that pressure, um, I didn't really enjoy. So I tried everything uh, not to skate. I'd hide my skates in the closet. Um, I'd tell my mom, like, I, I, I are like I have no idea they might have I might have forgotten them on the bus um, but then she would look through my stuff finally and she would find them and throw me in the car and, and take me to the rink and I would have to keep going and I'm glad she did because now I'm here um, and I get to live this beautiful passion of mine um, and she saw that she saw the the gift that I had and, and also the passion that I could develop for the sport so um, mom I, uh, I'm grateful for you. Did you always feel welcomed in the sport? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's the the thing with, uh, with figure skating is, uh, of course it's, you know, there's not a lot of representation in the sport. And so for me growing up, you know, I, I never saw myself, um, in, in anyone that was successful within the sport. And so, you know, the question would be, no, you know, I didn't always feel welcome, but it was, it was never really something that was directly told to me like you're not welcome here like do a different sport but all of this uh, all of the messaging that I got throughout my career um, subconsciously were registering in my mind that no I am not welcome as who I am um, which is a biracial um, or as a black boy a black figure skater uh, I, I kept getting messages throughout my career that me being authentically who I am um, wasn't necessarily going to be accepted or I wouldn't be successful if I had decided to follow that route. Um, and so in those ways, um, I would say, uh, but I've, I've, I've gone through the journey of, of uh, transforming that, transcending that in a way that allows me to be who I truly am. And now with the, the, the success that we've been getting, um, I know that I am welcomed within this sport, but I had to, uh, I had to kind of force myself into it and kind of break that mold um, to be accepted. So I wonder what it feels like on the flip side when now you see so much positive response to your skating via social media and via interactions with people in real life. Yeah, yeah, because the thing is, like, uh, when I was younger, I... I I, I had a lot of success in skating throughout my career. Uh, I did win a lot of competitions and, and some national championships. Um, but for a lot of those, I had to fit in that mold. And, and when I would fit in that mold, um, I would be rewarded for it. And so, again, that kind of reinforced this idea that I had to be something different than myself in order to be successful. And so to, to, to receive this uh, this this kind of support um, and following from social media for 
authentically being myself, um, there's nothing more freeing than that. Um, it's, it's one of the most beautiful gifts that I could ever receive. Uh, cause now I can, I can truly authentically skate how I want to skate, do it, how I want to do it. Um, and people only want that. Um, and I think that's how, that's how it, it always should be. And, and, and the reason why I keep doing what I'm doing is cause I'm hoping to inspire the next generation of black indigenous and people of color to, to, to follow that route, to, to be as authentic as they can be and, and to let the world celebrate them. You mentioned who you're doing it for. Representation is really important. I love the fact that you were part of, you know, our Olympic coverage in this country because of that. What was that experience like for you and has that fostered your ability to, to provide representation for people who don't necessarily see themselves in the sport? Yeah, the Olympics is uh, it's this thing as as athletes, you know, it's like your 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 main dream, your main goal from a kid is is being an Olympic champion or, or kind of going to the Olympics. And and for me, that wasn't my journey. Yes, I was I was very close, but um, I went to the Olympics in a different way, um, and and a really in a really beautiful way where I got to. You know, I, I got to be myself, and I got to be there and talk to skaters and and get their uh, feelings and emotion about about what this represents for them. And and I think as Canadians, we're so proud to be Canadian and represent Canada um, at these uh, these these events like like the Olympics. And so to be able to step into that space and 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 share the canadian stories to uh to all of canada was something really special and i think also for me being able to be there and experience the the um the massiveness of the olympics the 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 enormity of what it requires for an event like this to 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 happen um and the amount of people that are there and the amount of athletes that are there um and experience that without the pressure of having to compete um was also something that was pretty cool i got to i got to be there as a fan and really embrace it in a way that i probably wouldn't have been able to embrace it if i went there as a as a competitor so um yeah and then being on tv as a you know as a as a black person and and being able to talk about figure skating um i think it's something that a lot of people have never seen in Canada and so bringing that representation is 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 huge because there's so many different ways to be successful in a sport and maybe for someone it won't be the path of being an athlete but you could be a broadcast sports broadcaster and be out there and 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 share these experiences with everyone and find success in that way so finding different ways to to show um, to show people that you can be successful in in different ways. I think it's 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 really important for me, and that was an event that allowed me to do that. You've kept that momentum going and the success going, being a part of the Stars on Ice tour, which is critically acclaimed and a, a, a feat for any figure skater. Being a part of that, what was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the biggest tour in Canada and North America, right? So. Um, it's always something that I, I wanted, um, but didn't get the opportunity until, until last year. And, and it was, it was huge. I mean, for me to be able to come back and perform in front of my Canadian audience since, uh, 2018, my national 2018 was the last time I performed in, in, in Canada. And so to be able to share that, those moments again with, with Canada was, was beautiful. And, but then at the same time, um, the impact of being the first black male figure skater to join uh, the entire cast of Stars on Ice is, is huge. And then the first black skater since 1992, um, which was Debbie Thomas at the time, uh, to be on tour is, again, that kind of representation is redefining what success looks like. And I, I, I can't be more uh, proud um, and, and fulfilled by, by this experience, knowing that um, kids that go out and, and, and watch the watch this show can be inspired by, by me. And again, show that you can reach that level of, of, of show without having to go to the Olympics. I was the only non, non-Olympian, um, the only non-national champion, really. And so to be able to be part of a tour like that for who I am and not necessarily for the results uh, in my career is, is huge. I wonder what cultural changes you've seen in the sport over your time with it and what changes would you still like to see? Yeah, I think, 
I think there's a lot that skating um, needs to do in order to um, in order to change uh, fully and in order to embrace um, everyone. Because again, at the highest level, you don't see a lot of uh, a, a lot of representation. And so, to me, I think the the, the the skating has to continue to shift within its culture. And so, you know, being able to to, to, to be out on the ice and skate to what you want to skate is not something that's necessarily possible for you right now. Um, if you want to be uh, a, an Olympic champion or if you just want to compete at, at the highest level. And so I think one of the main things that needs to change is the people, the way people perceive artistry and the way people understand what figure skating um, truly is at its core. Yes, it's it's it can be uh, um, classical, but it can also be something that's more geared towards hip hop, something that's more geared towards pop or funk. And there's ways to do that, but people need to embrace and open their arms to different different cultures and different types of of of, of music and ways of moving and different types of people in order for for that to happen. To happen. Yes, we started seeing some of these shifts a little bit here and there, especially within Canada. Skate Canada has done a tremendous job in, in trying to push the sport forward. Um, but I think in the globally, um, things are still kind of um, moving very, very slowly. Um, but then for me, uh, I'm, I know that the actions that I take can have an impact on it. And one of the things that my wife and I, Michelle, um, started is the Skate Global Foundation. Um, and with that, there's so many things that we want to do to help shift that. And one of the things is because we realize that accessibility is one of the issues that we see in, in, in figure skating, um, access to ice, access to skates. And so one of the things we want to do is uh, we've partnered up with a um, construction company and, and we want to continue to upgrade and, and build rinks in underserved communities because there are a lot of rinks across Canada. Um, but a lot of those are in middle class or upper class communities. And the ones that are in underserved communities are either non-existent or not really functional. And so if we can come into these communities, help rebuild those rinks and make them functional and donate some skates for kids in those communities to to, to step onto the ice for the first time and maybe fall in love with sport or or just experience something that they might not have experienced in the past or had the opportunity to do so is something that's really, really important to us. And I believe that at the grassroots levels, if we can introduce uh, skating to many different people um, in, in this country and then find a way to help them along their journey because um, the sport is extremely expensive and you can easily get price out of the sport. So if there's ways to support them throughout their journey so that they can maintain uh, their level of training to be able to, to compete at the highest level, I think those elements will probably help make the sport um, more diverse. But um, this is obviously a, a long-term goal because things don't change uh, change overnight. Love that and love to help and support in any way that we can for our listeners uh, in our show notes of this episode. Um, we'll have information in terms of how you as well can support everything you're doing. The other thing our listeners would be interested in hearing from you is how have you grown your following to the level that it is? Has it been strictly mm-hmm. organic or have you made intentional choices to make sure that you have a huge reach? Yeah, I think, I think it's a mix of both. You know, I think uh, remaining organic, remaining authentic is probably the reason why it has continued to grow uh, since that first video that went. You know, it's, it's so easy to, uh, to start taking every opportunity that comes your way with social media. And it's easy to, um, for lack of better words, to kind of sell out um, and just kind of um, want to start making money and just kind of sell on your platform. And that's something that we weren't really um, drawn towards. We wanted to authentically give something to the people that were following us that will fulfill them and that will bring them some kind of joy, some kind of peace. And, and with the choreography videos that we make, the creative videos that we make, you know, we can see the reaction that people have when when we create those things because they're so artistic, because they're so outside of the box and so authentic. People are so drawn to that. And I think that keeps really, uh, it's like a ripple effect. It keeps uh, reaching more and more people across across the world. And so I think being intentional and 
authentic and organic is really the recipe for us to, to having grown the following that um, that we have so far. Well, I love watching it and so many times just hearing, you know, banger tracking like, oh man, I forgot about that song. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 yeah. I, and I love seeing, you know, the scenes. Lastly, before we let you go, give people your spot, the, the best view, the best place that you found to skate in our country that's a bit of a hidden gem that whether they're just driving by, they want to see it or, you know, potentially, you know, skate mm-hmm. themselves, what would it be? Um, I think there's two lakes in Alberta that I really, really vibe with. The first one is Lake Minnewanka. Um, it's a 25 kilometer long lake. Um, and it's just the, the mountains that are surrounding that lake. It's just beautiful. And it's the, my first experience with skating on wild ice was on that lake. And so that's holds a really, really special place for me. But the second one I'd say is Lake Abraham. Um, that is, is, is unique. The, the, the way that the ice forms on that lake and the, the display of, of bubbles and different types of things that you can see on the ice surface is unlike anything I've ever seen or experienced um, ever in my life. So I'd say those two lakes are 100% my top two places to, to skate. If I could skate on those lakes every single day, like if I lived out on that lake, I would be on the ice every day. It's, it's, it's worthwhile driving there and, and, and getting to at least see it. And then obviously if it's safe enough to skate on, um, it's, 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 um, it can be a life-changing experience really to skate on those lakes. What you're doing is changing the lives of many young skaters. So, so happy that you've shared that experience with us and you've been so open about your own journey. The Face of Canada Goose's Live in the Open campaign. Thank you so much and continued success. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So I've added that to the bucket list of places I need to go. I don't know if we'll be skating on that lake, but I definitely want to check it out. If you want to check him out on IG, that is at Elage Baldi at E-L-L-A-D-J-B-A-L-D-E and SkateGlobalFoundation.com is the site where you can find out all of the good things he's doing in the sport and support if you are so inclined. Thank you for being so inclined to stick with us and listen. It means more than you know. Talk to you soon.